joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, and welcome to Blissful Living. This is the queen of feeling fabulous, Rochelle Marie Lawson. And I'm so happy to be with you here today because our show is going to be a little bit about um, the truth. And I guess I can title the show, The Truth is Within, because today's guest is going to share with us what is meant by that and how we can incorporate some wonderful nuggets of gold behind that into our lives to just make our lives just a little bit more better as we travel down our path to bliss. More better. I know that's an English faux pas, but okay, how about just a little bit better um, for those that are cringing at my English, um, my terrible usage of the English language. Okay, so, so this is a perfect time to grab something to write with, find a comfortable place to sit and relax, maybe grab your favorite beverage, cup of tea, water, um, fruit juice, whatever it is that you like to, that you like to sip while you relax. And really um, just allow yourself some time to engage in this um, show because, again, it's going to be a little bit about the truth um, is within, and it's a very intriguing topic. And before I get to our guests, let me thank our uh, sponsors, of course, Blissful Living for You at blissfullivingforyou.com, as well as All Day Cable Incorporated, the telecommunications company that has been around for about 30 years in Silicon Valley, and what they do is install your network distribution systems such as voice data, fiber optic cabling, wireless access points, anything to do with that, audio, video, that kind of stuff. They are your go-to company for that. So if you're in need of that and you're somewhere in Northern California or in California in general, I suggest you give them a look at at alldaycableinc.com. Now, are you ready to take a journey and discover what is meant by the truth is within? Well, if you are, sit back and relax because let me tell you about our guest today. Our guest is Dee Delaney, and she is an author, mother, and yogi. She worked at the BBC for 14 years before the sudden and unexpected death of three partners, all young men in their 40s. This stopped her in her tracks, and after struggling to make sense of life and deal with this harrowing grief, Dee surrendered to the silence and sat in quiet meditation where she listened to the sound of her soul. As she connected to the goddess within, she moved to Goa, India, where she now lives with her little boy and has just completed a trilogy of books called The Truth is Within. Is within. Dee, leaves, Dee lives and breathes this work and the amazing stories and experiences she writes about have taken her across India to discover the fascinating truth about who she is and her life purpose. And so at this moment, I would like to take this time to welcome Dee 
Delaney to Blissful Living. Welcome, Dee. How are you? I'm very well, Rochelle. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. We were just saying earlier, it's um, it always intrigues me that I'm in another day. It's uh, early Tuesday morning here where I am and Monday evening where you are in America. And I just love that the two worlds of East and West are connecting um, like this. So good morning <laughs> from a very oh, early you. India. <gasps> it's beautiful. I get what you're saying because it's like I'm actually able um, to be connected to tomorrow through you. Yes. And yes. you're actually able to still be connected to yesterday through me. So, I mean, yeah. it's really cool when you think about that. So already that's, you know, a beautiful truth that I don't think anybody listening to the show, including myself, have ever thought about. And I have traveled quite a bit and been in, you know, those different time zones where you are in the next day and just never really thought of the beauty of that present moment that you just shared with us. So thank you so much, Dee, for yeah. for sharing that with us. It was beautiful. It's fascinating. So now, also, this East and West connection is oh, yes. is incredibly potent at the moment because the thread that runs through all of my books actually is is bringing together the two sides of the same coin. You know, we there's so much to learn from the cultures and philosophies of the East and especially India because it's the land of the rishis and the sages and the gurus and has been for thousands and thousands of years. But there's also a deep richness in what we have to offer in the West. And I think, for me, that's been one of the pinnacle moments of of integrating the two, the Western mind, I call it, with the Eastern philosophy to meet ourselves at the heart. Yeah, you know, um, it's really interesting because when I first started studying Ayurveda, it was... um, It was like I had this internal connection to the holistic modality of being healthy and well, mind, body, spirit, emotionally. I just had this connection and really just gelled with the way of the Eastern philosophy of that medical modality. And I'm practicing or was a practicing registered nurse at that time in Western medicine. So it was wonderful for me to be able to incorporate my knowledge and what I'm learning about Eastern medicine and share that with my patients in Western medicine and connecting it together. It was kind of like this full Mm. circle thing. And so it's um, beautiful that you share that because I can totally relate relate to that um, on you know, a deeper level. And I think the listeners out there probably have some things that they're thinking about right now where they can probably connect to what we're saying as well. I want to ask you, um, where are you from originally? Before you moved so to origi- India, where? Yeah, originally I'm from, my, my, my heritage is Irish. My family, um, both my mother and father, are from Ireland, and they moved to the UK, to England in the 60s, and we lived, I was raised um, in suburbia outside London, 
So um, for your listeners, probably the closest landmark would be to say I I lived in a suburb outside London, um, Mm -hmm. a traditional suburb that most people could relate to and used to commute into London on the train um, into the city where I worked for 20 years in the media and uh, 14 of that, which you said in, in my bio in the introduction was at the BBC so really at the heart of um, corporate communications. Um, so it was quite a different life <laughs> to the life I'm, I'm living now. Um, I live now in a small fishing village in South Goa, with, um, which is quite remote. Um, and I live amongst a, a small holistic community of expats from all over the world who practice um, healing modalities and are kind of it's kind of a yoga rich community um, but and people who come in to live in Goa for maybe part of the year we're currently sitting deep in monsoon so the rains pour the power oh, cut, wow. the power goes off it's very very simple um, I live by 10 different beaches with um, where the fishermen still go out and catch fish every day, and that's wow. what they need. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that the sounds contrast. so beautiful and so so tranquil, tranquil, and yet so simple. And um, compared to you know what you were doing living in a suburbia town of yeah. outside of London, you know how how beautiful is that? Now, with regards to your remarkable story. And the story of loss and love, uh, particularly with regards to you losing three, um, you know, three loves. Can you tell us um, what was the pivotal moment, the aha, maybe the inspiration or the enlightenment um, that was bestowed upon you that made you decide after the loss of those loves to just pack up and, and move to India for a much simpler life? Yeah, I I think, wow, <laughs> I, each one death brought something different. The first was uh, Martin. He died in 2009, and that was a suicide and I was raised a Roman Catholic, and mm-hmm. Martin was the father to my daughter. So, if I'm honest, the pain, the loss was my daughter's more than mine because we were we weren't together when he died. I had a child with him, but it, it challenged all the taboos around the right to take a life, and that was ran very deep really deep and and the pain and suffering was my daughter's if I'm honest um the next death was my husband who was Mm. my heart um and he died of a heart attack in June 2010 so just a year after Martin passed and that was the the catalyst that unraveled me because he was the dream man I'd waited for um, my whole life and so with his death all the walls came tumbling down and it, it asked me 
his death, his passing, asked me to question life itself. You know, the right. big questions, why are we here? We know what's my purpose. If if He was perfectly healthy. He had a heart attack and was gone in an instant. So right. it was it was not something that either of us had prepared for. It was one minute he was alive, the next minute he was dead. So there was incredible trauma around that. And then the third death was a partner who I dated in between these two men and I had a child in spirit with. And again, there was no, I was disconnected from this man. But when he died, this turned the lens on me. His death turned the lens on me. And I went into a very dark place because I, mm-hmm. I said, oh, my God, what is it about me? Why? And I, I, I kind of saw nothing but darkness through his death. He died through alcohol-relating disease. It's still a young man in his 40s. And mm-hmm. it made me question why had all this death followed me around? What was it about me? Was I somehow cursed? Was I a bad person? So I, I took his death quite personally against myself, Um so when I came to India on a holiday with two girlfriends in 2015, I something happened in the sands of Mother India where I had been pushing against all this death for five years up to this point. And she just called me in and said, it's time to stop now, Dee. <laughs> It's time you've fought it enough. It's time to stop and sit with it and just be and 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 to to understand it. So I had this moment of um, complete surrender. I fell to my knees on the floor of Mumbai Airport and I told my girlfriend, I said, oh, my God, I've got to come and live in India. That's it. I've just got to come. So I packed up my charmed life in the West and I moved to the east and that's really when the deep, deep healing began. Wow, what an amazing story with regards to discovering that you needed, that was the place, you know, you need to be at is is where you are right now. Um, You know, people go all through their lives looking for their purpose or where they're supposed to be or you know, um, what they're supposed to be doing. And some people never find that. And here you are, you suffered, you discovered yours through basically suffering three traumatic experiences that allowed you to be open, I guess, to receive the information and the energetic vibration. So when you went to India, you were basically an open conduit for you know, the purpose of you being there and coming back and living there. So it was, I mean, I think that's just beautiful because, um, you know, you were there with your girlfriends too when you discovered, it wasn't like you went there on a, you know, eat, love, pray type of journey. You were there with your girlfriends and you, the three of you guys were just, you know, enjoying a trip. And so um, I think that's amazing, amazing, amazing. Now in your first book, the truth, my journey to the other side. Um, if you had to share something of an enlightenment or an uplifting 
message to someone that may be listening that might be in the midst of, say, their darkness, so to speak, might be struggling mm. with making this, some decisions, might be struggling with, you know, grief due to a loss of a loved one or something like that. What would you say to them um, based on the truth in your first book, Your Journey to the Other Side? Yeah. Oh, it will pass. It will pass. It will pass. <laughs> you know, um, when when we're in, in when we're in the moment of grief and grief is raw it's ugly it doesn't discriminate it catches you when you're off guard it pulls you to your knees and it it's incredibly difficult to ride the waves especially when it's one of your inner circle a child or your husband or your parent who's passed away or your dearest friend, it's, it hurts. It hurts deeply because it forces you to feel all the gnarly, ugly sides of life. But if you can sit in the silence and hear the sound of your soul and just tune in and listen, I promise you it will pass. And out of the other side, there is a beautiful, beautiful light and love waiting for you. But you have to go through that journey of knowingness of what the nature of reality really is to see that light. And death is the greatest teacher in terms of what the nature of reality is it teaches us that we are immortal souls in a body on earth experiencing everything that comes with being human but it's not the end and if you can just hold on to that knowingness you'll you'll find great love through death but it's 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 a painful process there is no denying that Right, right. Mm. Thank you so much. I guess we can equate it uh, with regards to it being a painful process, but once you get to the other side, it's beautiful. It's like if you've ever had a baby and you've gone through labor, that's a, a painful, excruciating process. But then when you get to the other side of that, you have this beautiful living being that's looking at you and, you know, and it, it becomes a much more beautiful process. So thank you for your words to those people that may be in that space because sometimes um, I think we don't have enough positivity, particularly here in America, flowing through the ethers and in the media and things of that nature. And so sometimes these people kind of just feel like they're all alone in the in the isolate themselves and and emotionally, physically, mentally. So having someone that has gone through something like that with their experiencing and be able to give them words of wisdom to help them is, I think, always very, very profound. So thank you so much for sharing that. I want to go into a little bit about your second book, The Truth is the Art of Being. Can you share with the listeners... um, 
I know you talk about in the book the process of dying through the richness of um, the Tibetan Buddhism and through your training as a soul midwife. Can you share some of this wisdom with the listener? But first of all, I want you to share with the listeners um, a little bit about um, what a soul midwife is. Sure. So a soul midwife, or they can be called death doulas um, in some countries, is somebody who is a friend to the dying. And they they are sit beside um, a person who's transitioning over to the other side. And they use many techniques to comfort the person on their journey out of the body back into spirit. So they um, look after the family as well. So essentially, they use holistic care, gentle touch, sound, aromatherapy. They use sacred oils. They, But it's essentially to ease the journey of the soul of that being to the other side because there is so much fear surrounding death. So much fear. People are frightened because we've put death into a box in a hotel. It, we've taken it out of the community, which is where it used to be. And you know, you know, you, we used to be able to die at home and surrounded right. by family and friends, and you know, being nurtured by those who care for us. And we used to understand that it was a process of moving on, and we've lost that, and we've. We've we've medicalized it, and we've stuck people in hospitals. We we medicate them to the the ninth degree so that they become afraid, really, of of this passing, this sacred act of passing the veils to the other side. So soul midwives try to bring back some of the sacredness of the the process of dying itself which is an elemental process of our bodies breaking down we're made up of earth of water of fire and air and the actual dying process is those elements which is in everything here on earth everything you see and touch is made up of those essential elements they leave the body one by one and the soul midwife is trained to observe this process happening and to know the different stages of dying so that we can assist the person who's transitioning over and also the family. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, I, I really like that. I, I've never actually have heard of a soul midwife, but I think it's um, just absolutely beautiful. I... um experienced a lot of death and dying with regards to my um, discipline when I was a registered nurse in clinical practice. And um, being able to be with that person as they were transitioning over um, was a, it was a very interesting experience because at times things were chaotic and other, and other times the person was able to transition in a much smoother, calmer manner, so to speak, right? It wasn't frenetic. Um, But hearing how you described that, it was like, I'm like, that would be so great to be able to have a soul midwife 
in the emergency departments for those that are in the process of transitioning over or transition over. And then you know that when someone dies, it's, it's a process um, yeah. that happens within the mind and the body, right? And I know when I first became a nurse, they would say, you know, if this happens, if he experiences, just be mindful of what you say because, a quote, unquote, the hearing is the last to go. But it's very interesting over my years, my experience with that, and just watching people transition over. And it was you know, like I said, it would have been a wonderful thing if we could add soul midwives in there or if they start incorporating that, that now. I think it would be just, just a beautiful process. But that's a whole nother, a whole nother topic, and I'm, I'm so in agreement with you about the numbing of the mind through the pharmaceuticals. Um, that's one of the things as that's made me stand out a lot in my practice because I was a holistic person and been a holistic person for a long, long time. And so I would incorporate what I knew in teaching my patients um, things that actually was very beneficial to them in their lives. So it was wonderful, wonderful. But I want to ask you, now I want to tap into um, back to the um, the richness of the Tibetan Buddhism I'm sorry. Is, do they do the Tibetan Buddhists think of the process or think of death and dying in a way that I would say be different, such as you know, like the Roman, um, the Catholics or the Protestants or any of the other religious factions out there? Is there a difference in the way they think about it? Because yeah. I know we mentioned fear, and there is a tremendous amount of fear in something that should be mm-hmm. so beautiful. I don't think people understand that the moment you're born, that's the moment you begin to die. It's just a process that we go through. Um, so can you share some wisdom with regards to um, that? Sure. So Tibetan, the, the oldest book on dying is called the Egyptian Book of the Dead and then the Tibetan Bardo. So it, all of this wisdom, by the way, including the soul midwives, go back to ancient times, to high priestesses in the temples of Isis. So that's my lineage, which is why I'm a soul midwife as well. So this wisdom dates back to our ancestors for thousands of years. And the Tibetans wrote a book called the Bardo. And the Bardo means the in-between. And it's the realms from the point of death to how we transition to our next life. Now, you were right to say about um, sound, hearing is the last to go of the senses. But actually, it doesn't go. The dead can hear. And at the point of death, there's an outer death solution, which clinically you're proven dead. So the doctor will, your heart stops beating and the doctor will pronounce you dead. But there's also what's called an inner death solution, which takes about the same time as a meal. It's about 20 minutes. And what happens is the essence of the mother which is the red essence, travels up to the heart and the essence of father, the white essence, travels down from the head into the heart. The two meet at the heart and the chains of the heart 
slide open and that death solution is the inner death. The winds take you and your spirit and soul transition out through the crown chakra at the top of the head and move out to the ether. This is death itself. And this is the consciousness leaving the body. And this is what, if you've been around somebody who's recently died, this presence is pure divinity. And and you feel this kind of serene magic in the air. And so the Tibetans have studied uh, death um, through practice because many practices of the high ordained lamas, they're the priests, allow them to go into this same consciousness of leaving the body and transitioning over to spirit, which is something that I'm trained in doing. So they've designed this whole system, this science about what happens when you die. And what happens is it's all in the mind. How you leave this earth is down to the nature of your mind. If you put your consciousness and your mind into belief and into being that you are going to transition in a peaceful way and go to heavenly realms, that's where you go. But if you are fearful of dying and at the point of death, you believe you're going to purgatory or hell, that is where you go. So people like me and people like the Tibetans work with the dead and dying after death as well, by the way, for up to uh, seven weeks to try and ease the journey of that soul into more pleasant lands so they can experience uh, a much more fruitful life in the next life. Wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. Let me ask you, this is a um, question with regards to when someone has, someone, you know, close to you um, transitions over and once they've transitioned mm-hmm. over, how how long can you feel their presence? Is, is there, <laughs> and the reason I'm asking this is because I've had an experience and I don't, I don't feel it anymore. There was a certain period, and I'm trying to even think right now as I have you um, when that happened, but there was a certain period, but it was my grandfather. It was someone I was really close yeah. to, and he died when I was eight. And ever since he died, I always felt his presence where, as particularly like um, I worked in night shift and emergency room trauma, so when I would go to work mm. at night, I always felt that he was sitting behind me in the back seat behind the driver's side. I always felt his, but it, that was just one really instance where I always felt his presence was really strong, but I always felt him with me. And then, you know, now I think about it, it's like I, there was a certain period of time um, not too long ago where I don't feel him like that anymore. And it may be mm-hmm. because he feels now that I've come into my own and I'm safe or um, I don't know, but it, it's been, I haven't been eight for quite a few decades, quite a few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's been a long, <laughs> yeah. a long time, but I just, when I heard you um, sharing the wisdom, oh. I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I yeah. I wasn't, ima- it gave me confirmation that I wasn't imagining it. It really was something real. And I haven't never, I never told anybody about it. It was just like, 
I just, but I yeah. just knew. I'm really intuitive, anyways. But I just knew. But when you talk to people, sometimes they're like, "Girl, you crazy," or you know, or they look at you, no. they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but then they look at you. But so you just gave me confirmation. So that's, I, you know, that's beautiful. Um, thank you for so sharing. So when that. somebody, when somebody transitions, when they leave their body. If your soul is connected to that person, as their heart flies open energetically and they leave the physical body, so does yours. Your heart flies open too. And you are eternally connected to your grandfather forever and a day because the imprint of your grandfather never leaves the ether. He is always there. That's just pure science. Energy never dies. The act of death is in itself an energetic force. It's the gateway to creation. And as your grandfather left his divine body, he moves on into the ether and he is always there. When we pass into uh, away from the physical form into spirit, you know, we we are bundles of energy. We are nine times more sensitive. So we move like the speed of light. All of this is documented in the Tibetan Bardo who've, who've researched all this. So you can connect with your grandfather forever and a day as spirit. Most people can't see spirit because they're not clairvoyant. But it doesn't mean that he's not there because he is there. This is what we call the veil spinning. And people like me can tune in and connect with people who have passed over, ascended right. masters, my ancestors. They're always, always, always there. All you ever have to do is ask. Come well, to me and help me. They're always there because they live within your heart. That's their inside. Um, wow. The truth is within. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. Thank you so much. And I know you mm-hmm. listeners out there are just like blown away like I am. It's like, you know, how how do you take notes about this kind of stuff? It's just yeah. you don't. You just have the show and you just keep listening to it over and over and over again because um, it's just it's just very beautiful. Now. I want to ask you, you call the wisdom teachings um, that run throughout the truth within the trilogy of the three books you wrote, Ten Ways to Live in Divine Communion. Can you briefly tell our listeners a little bit about these teachings and what living in divine communion actually means to you? Sure. So the whole trilogy... uh, led me to my final book, which was, believe it or not, the search for the Holy Grail. (laughs) And I was sent all over India (laughs) and France, (laughs) um, looking into the earthly life of Jesus and the divine feminine. And uh, so between the ages of 12 and 30, we, we, we know very little about this amazing man who blessed our earth and um, what was happening with me was Lady Sarah who is um, thought to be the daughter of Jesus and Mary Magdalena 
was coming to me to give me this story, um, all three stories, to be honest with you, but the last one in particular is, is, has her imprint on it. And these 10 ways to live in divine communion are kind of like a summary of the way. And the way is the authentic teachings of Jesus and Mary Magdalena. And so it came to me in a poem, so I can, it's 10 lines, and I can read it to your listeners now if you'd like to hear it. Yeah, please do so. I yeah. love that. Okay. Sit in silence and hear the sound of your soul. Listen to the one who is in control. Let your heart be your guide. The wisdom of the universe is inside. Be the best that you can be, for it's only in the moment that we truly see. I am outside looking in. Life is an illusion. There is no sin. You are a ripple in the universe, creating each moment for better or worse. Our purpose on earth is to love without remorse and to bring this wisdom back to source. Hidden behind the stories we tell is a magical love and it's under your spell. The alchemy of suffering is not what it seems. It's an invitation to step into the heart and live your dreams. There is no right or wrong. Love is the essence in every song. And the truth cannot be known. It is ever-changing and not yours to own. Wow. <laughs> that was very beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I loved it. It's very, very beautiful. Thank you, thank you. And I know the listeners enjoyed that as well. Something that we can um, replay over and over when we listen to this show over and over again with regards to all the beautiful wisdom that's being shared with us today um, about just yeah. making things just a little bit better. Now, with regards to the um to the ten ways to live in divine communion, is there one specific um, way that a person wanting to start engaging in this 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 way of living um should take on first yeah, I think. They do follow on. So the first one is sit in silence and hear the sound of your soul. Listen to the one who is in control. And we start the journey. So the truth within is the journey to the inner planes of your own divinity. That's what it means. You are divine. Your listeners are divine. We are all children of the divine, however we want to describe that, you know, God, goddess, uh, you know, however we want to visualize that. We are all sparks of this divine nature. And the way to connect to that is to sit in silence and 
the the easiest way to start because many people I hear a complaint from many people is I can't meditate it's too difficult it's right so yes. you know so one of the tips I give in my first book is you wake up five minutes before you do anything you sit and just be there's nothing to do nowhere to go no practice necessarily just sit five minutes and then you do the same at lunchtime close your eyes put your feet on the ground center yourself and just sit and be and then again at night for five minutes it's 15 minutes of your day that's it it's five minutes before you go to bed and if you can get into a practice of just regularly sitting with yourself and switching off you will be of such service to yourself because you will start to listen to your own divine nature that's the truth within and this inner nature this inner voice this inner feeling this inner sound will start to guide you and speak to you you will commune with god and and that will guide your life and it's it's the simplest of things to do it's a, a checking in five minutes in the morning at lunch and in in the evening and from that planting of seeds your life will be transformed remarkably you know so that that's if, if there's one thing you remember your listeners remember from this conversation is take those five minutes because you deserve it Wow. Okay, listeners, there you have it. A huge nugget of gold. If you um, understand what she's saying is just take five minutes in the morning before you get out of bed, once you wake up, five minutes at lunch, and then five minutes again in the evening, maybe before you go to bed, and just be with you and don't have a sense of rushing or wanting to do anything. Just be in a present moment with yourself for those five minutes and watch the transformation in your life occur. Five minutes, it's it's like, I want to equate it, it's like when you first start doing anything, of course it's a little bit difficult. Say whether you first start learning to play a video game or you first start learning to meditate or you first start working out again or you first start learning how to cook or drive or whatever it is it may be, it's always a little bit difficult in the beginning, but the more you do it, the better you become at it until you get to a point where it just becomes something that you do automatically. That's kind of how meditation is for me. It's just something that I do automatically. But I've also learned how to take these, I like to call them moments of bliss throughout the day to ground myself and reset myself so that I can go forward in my best in the you know in my best capacity so d just shared a nugget of gold with you all um just take five minutes three times a day and if you can only start with once a time one time once a day that's better than none and then work yourself up i guarantee the more you do it the more you're going to want to do it and it's just going to become automatic for you so now d i want to ask you you talk about seeing love in every expression of life um, particularly in the book 
Can you expand on what you mean by this and how this can really transform um, our outlook mm-hmm. on life and what how we move forward with grace and ease? Yeah, yeah, it's a, this is a big one <laughs> because um, <laughs> we learn we learn through beauty and we learn through tough, challenging times as well. And um, my stories, uh, I bring the wisdom teaching through my story, my personal story of losing men that I loved and then trying to find love again. So um, and I'm a bit like a, a Bridget Jones of the dating scene. I'm not very good. <laughs> I bumble my way through and I've had some, what, what you could say is some disastrous relationships where men have come into my life to teach me what I needed to learn about me to help me move on. So when we meet a challenging situation and we see the love behind the story, we see the lesson behind the betrayal or the lies or the lack of boundaries or whatever it is, we learn to love what's come and we see the bigger picture. We see what this person's brought to us. We don't stop and blame them for, you did this to me. We actually stop and go, okay, what did I learn from this union? And most of the men who've come into my life since my husband died, there's been three that I write about. They've brought me huge lessons in love. They taught me about codependency. They taught me about lies and betrayal. And they taught me about boundaries. All things I needed to learn for my soul evolution. Mm -hmm. But when we're in the story and we're dating someone and it's not going well, often as humans, we, we look to blame the other and we look to, you know, what's going wrong and we... We have right. to almost step, step away from the story and, and see why we called it in. Because we call in everything, the good, bad, and the ugly. We call it into our lives to experience whatever it is this person's brought to us so that we can learn from it and so that we can grow from it. And that includes the difficult stuff like violence, like abuse, and you know, all of the stuff, you know, for whatever reason, we've made this contract with our soul to experience these things, to learn from them. And when we see the world through those eyes, we do not judge others for some of the dreadful behavior that they bring to this experience on earth. We don't condone it, but we learn not to judge and we learn to see life being played out through the eyes of ultimate compassion and forgiveness and understanding that we're all in it together. And that's a really big lesson for us to learn, especially right now on Earth. Wow. I love how you... um stated that because I think, again, that's not something we hear. We don't hear 
the fact that whatever happens, whether there's challenges that occur in our life, you know, the connotation is always that the challenge is a negative thing. But yeah. on the other side of that, it really is a positive thing because it helps you to learn something that you did not learn. Um, and once you learn it, generally you don't, um, there's not a, there's not a necessity for you to have that experience again, because you've learned the lesson, so to speak, is my understanding. So, but if you don't learn it or you don't learn it entirely, it will come back and resurface. So it's interesting to, to think about, you know, everyone goes through challenges in life and everyone goes through challenges in their day. But just because you're going through a challenge does not mean that it has to be a negative thing. It could actually be a positive thing. And maybe if you just take that moment, step back, and look at it as to what might this particular situation or incident be trying to teach me, trying to share with me, trying to enlighten me about, instead of thinking, oh, my gosh, there's, you know, traffic on the 101 and I'm going to be late for my business meeting and I'm going to lose the deal or whatever. What about if you think, you know, there's traffic on the 101 and there's probably a reason why it's keeping me productive. Maybe I'm supposed to be where I'm supposed to be because ahead there was a traffic accident and I could have been involved in that or whatever the case may be. So, you know, it's just... I love the way you um, shared that, and I, and I think the listeners can get a grasp of um, the true meaning of what we were talk- we've been talking about this whole time with regards to, to the truth is within and um, how we can actually actively engage in it and, and share what we can do to do that and continue to do that and why that's important to do. Um, now, Gee. You, you've been quoted as saying, through other people's stories, we see our own. And I think, yeah, I think that's actually a really powerful statement in the context because I can totally relate to it. Sometimes you don't want to see your own story Mm -hmm. in other people, but it's just bam, smashed in your face, right? I wonder how this wisdom has impacted um, your life and the way you interact with your friends and family. Yeah, it's changed everything, actually. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> everything. Uh, the, the best analogy for your listeners to visualize this is if you put your hand out and you point your finger to the other, there's always three fingers pointing back at you. You know that you you point your finger and you yes. t- raise your yes. hand now and you point your main your index finger your ring finger, finger out like yes three, yeah there's three fingers pointing back at you always in every situation. What happened with me in 2015? I had my a moment, my awakening, my moment of being with the light, my oneness moment, if you like. And since that moment, I can only ever meet anybody who comes into my life with this knowingness that we are connected, this knowingness that what they are saying to me is a reflection of who I am on the inside, 
We are mirrors. We are mirrors. And the world around us is a reflection of how we are on the inside. So if somebody comes to me with anger, I look at it, I observe it, and I go, okay, the... They they come with anger because there must be a, a seed of anger within you. And until that seed of anger has gone, you must not judge that anger. You see it, you observe it, but don't judge it. It, it, it allows you to have so much compassion for others and yourself and yourself. It has to start with you because you... You understand that ultimately we're all only ever trying to do our best. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning thinking I'm going to make somebody's life hell and I'm going to be a really bad person. I think we only ever wake up feeling, okay, I'm going to try my best today. And I think that's the goal that most people have. Most people want to live in peace. And they want to do their best. And when we absolutely see that even if somebody is behaving shockingly bad and saying dreadful things, that deep down inside there is a good person in there. It, it's the absolute ultimate in, in forgiveness. And it's the absolute ultimate in, as Gandhi says, be the change you want to see in the world. So if you be love, if you be honor, if you be kindness, by the sheer nature of how life is, the world around you will change as you be the change that you want to see. It can be no other way. Wow. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for that. I think... um that really brings it home for us with regards to our whole conversation today and just being enlightened with regards to the truth is within. The truth is within all of us. If we just take these moments and times to pay attention and be an observer instead of a reactionary type of person, there's so much that we can learn that will help us just on so many profound levels. So thank you so much, Dee, for sharing that with us. Now we come to the part of the show where I want you to share with the listeners out of all this wisdom and enlightenment and just wonderful, beautiful, engaging conversation that we've had, share with the listeners that if they want to get more of you or your books or how they can stay in contact with you, how can they do that? Yeah, so um, you can come to my website, which is www.ddelaney.co.uk. So it's D-E-E-Delaney, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y dot C-O dot U-K. All my books are available through Amazon and all good online retailers. Uh, you just Google me and you'll find me there. So The Truth Within is the name of the trilogy, and there's three books in the trilogy, and you can read them all, or either the second one is is more about death itself, if you're interested in that. The first, and that's called The Truth is the Art of Being. The first book, The Truth, My Journey 
to the other side is about how to heal the self through the chakra system and union psychotherapy. So that's mm. a good starting point because it brings East and West together and it yes. looks at how the mind works through each point in the chakra system. And I, I give you exercises to look at, you know, looking at your past and some of the issues that we all carry with us. And the third book is uh, how to integrate the masculine and feminine aspects of your being and to really enter into your heart space, which is where you have this connection with the divine, which is where you meet yourself in the purest sense. And that book is called The Truth Within the Heart of Love. Wow. Well, thank you, Dee, so much. You guys, there you have it. Go to Amazon. Put in Dee Delaney's name or the titles of the book, and all this information will be available on the site as well. Um, but thank you so much, Dee, for being a guest on Blissful Loving. It was just a beautiful, beautiful conversation, and I really enjoyed myself, and I know the listeners did too. So thank you so much. Thank you, and Michelle, for inviting me. That I'm, I'm truly grateful. You're <laughs> very welcome. I'm, the, I'm the one that's grateful. I'm truly grateful to be, to be able to have had spent some time in, even though we're thousands of miles separated. I feel like we're just sitting right next to each other, enjoying a nice yeah. cup of tea, and um, having this conversation. We're energetically connected. I don't feel like you're way, you know, I don't feel like you're in the next day, so to speak. I, I feel like you're right here with me. Um, so I think it's just been a beautiful, beautiful journey and a beautiful time with you. So thank you so much because I know it's super early where you're at. Um, and I want to thank the listeners. Thank you so much for being here on the show. Um, I appreciate all of you, and please feel free to share this show with all of those that you love and care about or anybody that you think would be interested in hearing this information. I want to thank our sponsors, Blissful Living for You at BlissfulLivingForYou.com. You have got to go check them out. They have a fabulous amount of goodies that will pique anyone's curiosity that wants to improve their wellness, wisdom, and wealth. So check out Blissful Living, the number four, and then letter U, dot com. And then for those of you that need telecom communication installation services, you want to check out the fabulous company in the Silicon Valley, All Day Cable, Inc., 30 years in business. Check them out at All Day Cable, I-N-C., Com. Until next time, I'm wishing you all peace to your mind, wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. Take good care and goodbye for now. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.